Hey everyone, Keith here. Wanted to take a minute and give you a quick update on where we stand with Beyond the Bio. We're currently working on our third batch of episodes to be released in the coming weeks. Hopefully you enjoyed the guest host Sherrod Opti's episodes on the work we're doing in APAC, the advanced degree episodes, and I'm especially proud and thrilled that I got to catch up with so many close friends and dear friends for our three-part series during Black History Month. If you haven't listened to that, please go back and listen to it. It was really important and it was really great to record. One thing that I did want to ask is that if you enjoy the podcast, please leave us a review on the platform of your choice. If you have suggestions on how to make it better, please let us know that too. We're always open to feedback and always looking to deliver the content that you want to hear so that you can learn more about Bain and why we're a great place to work. I'm looking forward to the next batch of episodes, and I hope you are too. Have a great day. Joining me today is Kiki Yang, a partner in our Hong Kong office. Today we'll talk with Kiki about her background and path to Bain, her impactful work within Bain's private equity practice, and how the work has allowed her to thrive personally and professionally. I will also add, like a lot of you, I get to meet a lot of great people during the podcast, and Kiki is someone I've known for a long time, but really have not sat down to talk with. And in preparing for this podcast, I learned a lot about her story that I'm excited to share today. Kiki, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So, Kiki, I want to start with your background, and maybe we can start a little bit further back. You were born and raised in Shanghai and came to the U.S. in 96 to get your college degree. Can you talk a little bit about that journey? Did you know that you always wanted to come to the U.S. for school, and how did you choose where to go? Yeah, that's a great question, Keith. I went to a school called Shanghai Foreign Language School, where a lot of my classmates and some of the alums were able to actually have the chance to you know, come to the U.S. for undergrad degrees. And back in the 90s, that's actually, there were only a few of us, as you can imagine, that would have this opportunity. But of course, I think, you know, we didn't know what we didn't know. So Keith, I think I may have mentioned to you, but uh, I went to Hamilton College in upstate New York. But when I was coming to the U.S., I didn't really know what the difference is between New York City and upstate New York, which clearly <laughs> is very different. So you get to Hamilton, was it difficult to adjust to campus life? Were there a lot of international students? Were there students with your background? How did you find fitting in in a new city, in a new country, starting college? It was a very uh, different environment, right? I mean, we went from a, I think, 18 million people city to a village of 3,000 residents. I think I was the only Chinese student on campus, I mean, from, from China. But, but that was almost a blessing in disguise because I was really forced to you know speak and write a lot of english right and get out of my comfort zone really embrace the american culture so all those things i think really helped me kind of building the the skills that i have so you put all of that together and you do the liberal arts education which from an approach to education standpoint, you have to learn some new skills. You have to learn them all in English, in a new culture. And you decide to go all in on New York, I suppose, and pursue banking after undergrad. How did you make that decision? Was that something you knew you wanted to do on the front end? Oh, absolutely not. I, of course, I think like many of the students in college didn't really have any idea what I wanted to do after graduation. I became an economics and math double major. I think those had a lot to do with, you know, why I ended up looking to investment banking. And of course, I think trying to understand where my strengths are, right? I think the quantitative skills was always there. And then of course, you know, there's the plus side, which is really living in New York, uh, you know, 
real New York. <laughs> really New York proper. And I think as a just graduating from college, this was the end of the dot com period where everything was great and you know living in the city was really amazing. But I, I always felt like I was almost learning at a very high level, really without a lot of grasps of um, what the real business model is, or you know what is the, really the differentiating factors for some of these companies. Back then, I I think the the learning curve, to be honest, after three years was also a little bit flattening for me, and that's where I felt like I needed different challenges, right? So that's why I decided to to go to Wharton. So you go to Wharton, and you know the reputation probably is supported by the data, which is a lot of people from Wharton end up in financial services right back in New York. You went to Wharton and ended up in consulting and not in New York. How did you choose consulting of all the career opportunities that Wharton opened up for you? I think when I went to business school, I've almost made up my mind that I wanted to have a change in my career. One is, as I mentioned, I think the learning curve was flattening for me. I think secondly, I felt like, unfortunately, uh, some parts of banking was more demanding in terms of kind of the physical energy instead of more the mental strength, if you will. So I was looking for intellectually challenging and, and kind of a rewarding career at a different pace. And to be very honest, I did not have my heart set on consulting when I got into Wharton. But my first year, you know, Wharton, you have to take all the requirement classes, marketing operations, management, so on and so forth. And that there were two or three ex-Bing consultants in my cohort. And they were always the people who raised their hands and had the most amazing answers. So this prompted me to actually look them up and you know see where they were working before. And of course, they were all from Bay. And it so happens that I also made a lot of friends uh, at Wharton. Some of them were from the Singapore office. Some of them were from Atlanta office. But they all more or less felt like they shared that same cultural element which was really impressive uh, for me. So Kiki, you joined Bain. I think we finally got you out of New York uh, when you joined Bain and you joined our Greater China Cluster. Can you talk a little bit about your journey there? So you joined as a consultant, you had a lot of experience, you've literally been from one end of the world and back. What did you want to get out of the career and how long did you think you'd stay? I really didn't have a plan. I didn't think I would be, I mean, this is my 16th year, right? If someone told me that I would be in Bain for 16 years, I probably wouldn't believe him or her at, at that point. But I was very interested in learning, consulting, learning about, you know, how we help clients to solve problems, right? I think that whole kind of true north results delivery. I mean, Bay has Bay has such amazing culture. I mean, so strong. And it's really hard to actually explain. And Keith, you know that I've done recruiting for Greater China Office for a couple of years. And when we talk about cultural differences to someone that is outside, it's difficult. But when I was finally part of the Bing family, I really felt like, you know, it is all true, like how we are, you know, people oriented, how we care about individuals. I had a lot of opportunities and, and when I joined, the Greater China office was still small. We maybe have about like 100 people back then across three offices and now we are north of like 350, right? 
And back then, like we just had, I think our Shanghai office opened in 2005 into a new location. So that was a very exciting time. You could almost feel like it was a, like a little bit like a startup, right? Like a small mm-hmm. office environment. The clients are, there's a combination of multinationals, private equity funds, and local companies. And I finally felt like I was going beyond just looking at income statement and balance sheet, but really understanding what, you know, the companies are doing, what kind of problems they have. That's where I felt like that the intellectual challenge was, was really what was, you know, drawing me. And I think culturally, I felt like I was, I couldn't be happier because I, I made a very informed decision, right? So that was kind of the, the beginning part, the beginning years of, uh, of my bank career. Yeah, and I know from back then when we were opening offices and building out the team in Greater China, it was a huge priority for us in getting sort of people on the ground committed to being there to build, you know, from the startup to the business we have today. It was a big part of it. Now, that can be really busy. To some extent, you left banking and came to consulting. How did you manage to keep everything sustainable over that tenure? I think I've had a very sustainable (laughs) and rewarding career. I've never felt like I was at a point where, you know, I was losing control over the sustainability side of things. I've had, you know, three kids all at bay. When I had my first one, I was, as a, you know, manager. I was able to also, and this is lucky because Bain has these flexibilities and other opportunities. I was non-client facing for about nine months. I was doing consultant staffing and I was doing that on a part-time basis. And that was so important for me because I honestly felt like if I didn't have that opportunity, I probably wouldn't have stayed for this long because I had to take a little break and feel like, you know, I was doing enough for my newborn baby. And Keith, you know what? The kids side, I know that there's also a learning curve for, for my second and third one. I didn't really need that anymore. And I felt like, you know, I could come back full time. And uh, of course, I think as you progress more in your career, you also have more confidence and more controllability. The early part, that flexibility was hugely important and I was able to do that. I don't think that was something that banking could offer, honestly, back then and probably not as much either today. So, yeah. It is interesting you talk about the flexibility and the learning curve, because I think for me and a lot of other people, the experience and the learning curve is really just about asking for what you need and having the confidence in asking because people I found are really supportive. It's more than yeah. just you know, a plaque in the lobby, but they actually care and actually want yeah. you to sort of do all of that stuff and have a complete life, which is pretty neat. Yeah. So I want to fast forward a little bit to what you've been focused on. We obviously, you mentioned that you had done staffing in the office. I know you're also involved in recruiting, which is probably how we've seen each other yeah. most in recent years, but you're in the private equity group. I'd be curious about how you ended up there. Is it a throwback to your early days as a banker or was it something more in tune with your your sort of broader interests in business? I think everything happens for a reason, right? I think, you know, when I started at at being for the first three years when I was a consultant, I actually did not really do. I mean, maybe I did a couple of um, private equity, you know, diligence projects, but I joined the PEC team as a manager, a senior manager, first year senior manager. And I thought this was a rotation, right? For for like normal people, six months, nine months. And I think I end up like doing maybe 12 years now. So I enjoyed the fast paced nature of things where you felt like you're given a problem, new industry. I mean, I've done, you know, like from 
animal feeds to like healthcare to luxury to kind of like things you have never thought about in terms of um, you know services and and so it's like you get to touch all these random things and you have amazing cocktail conversation topics after you've done peg because you know a little bit of、uh, you know something about everything. I was. Building that confidence, right? It's like no matter what topic, yes, we can do this. You know, we can crack the case. We can, you know, get the answers. And and that true north nature couldn't be stronger in Peg because, you know, we are helping clients to make decisions with millions of dollars, billions of dollars times, right? And we don't want to sugarcoat things. And and sometimes it could be a very difficult conversation. And honestly, I've had. You know some clients who had a hard time, right? Like listening to Vain, where we we didn't deliver the positive or kind of positive、um, messages. But I think in the longer longer run, that's when the clients appreciate us. That's when they feel、right. like, okay, well, you gave us the right answer and saved us a lot of money. That's such a sort of unique part of of Vain. I had more than one client who told us that, you know, honestly. You know, you guys are the only ones who who will tell us, you know, the truth, the truth in these things. So I think that fast-paced nature, you know, true north spirit, and lastly, I think for Peg, I like the clients. They are、um, some of the smartest people. In a lot of them,、um, I have known, you know, some of my clients for more than ten years, right? So when I was a manager, they were kind of the the vice presidents, and and we kind of grew up. Really, me at Bain and they at and you know that funds, and that's also something that I felt relatable, right? Like I'm talking to people similar in age, you know, going through also life cycle. We talk about kids, we talk about school beyond、uh, work, and also they challenge our thinking, you know, Bain's quality of the work, and they'll tell me too and say, hey, you know, Kiki, I think you know this. We could have improved on this, and that's what kind of. I mean, that's the type of clients I wanted to build a relationship with as well. So, Kiki, you touched on it a little bit, but you went to Peg for a six-month rotation that I think is still going over a decade later. But now you're also playing an important role leading the private equity group for our Asia Pacific region. Can you talk a little bit about the group and the work that it's doing over there now? Absolutely, I think the Asia P practice. So we we have teams in all six countries clusters in Asia. We have grown significantly in the last couple of years, where we have actually grown the team from maybe a little bit over ten teams in Asia to I think almost forty teams now by end of the year. And you know we have ambitious plans to continue to grow our private equity practice in Asia. On the business side, we have seen a hundred percent year-on-year growth,、um, and you know over the last couple of years, I think every year it's about you know thirty to fifty percent.、Um, so the business demand is extremely strong for us. I think the team, of course, I think we couldn't do this、uh, without. You know, dedicated teams, and you know, we do the same thing as the North American Europe. We have rotational at a junior levels, and then we, you know, when you become a manager or senior manager and wanted to actually that dedicate more time, and of course partners dedicate more time, then you you can you know be kind of 
100% affiliated with the practice. Um, but I think what is also interesting for for me personally is the type of work that we do. Because when I was, <laughs> you know, as when I was the ring fence manager, I think we did a lot of what we call the traditional diligences. But nowadays, even for the diligence side, we do a lot of what we call integrated diligences. So. Elements like digital marketing, elements like you know performance improvement, operations DD, advanced analytics. I mean, I think about eighty percent of the diligence we do today has advanced and analytics embedded in there. It's just so different. And if you're interested in certain topics, sectors, because we are big enough, we also help. Hope to get people to work on you know sectors like healthcare or technology that you're interested in, and that helps people's learning curve as well. I think beyond the legends, we also do quite a lot of portfolio work, which is really、um, you know amazing because you know you kind of see that whole thing happens right, like from the beginning where you're really just analyzing the the company to actually knowing the the CEO, the management team, and then helping the investors to work with them. And this is a three way kind of、um, formula, which is always interesting because you have the investors, you have the portfolio company, and there's Bain. We help you know making sure that there's alignment, making sure you know the company is equipped with the people and resources to get the growth that the investors want, and that is definitely just like any other kind of thing. Projects you know real results delivery, and and you can have a lot of different capabilities in those projects as well. Kiki, you mentioned in there sort of the integrated due diligence approach, and mentioned advanced analytics being part of a lot of the diligence that we do. Some people may have seen the acquisition we made of a small firm that can help us do tech diligence and things like that. Can you talk a little bit about what you mean by advanced analytics as a part of the diligence? Does that mean that we're going beyond sort of the business model and looking at the results and really getting under the hood of how the company operates, or you know, just add a little bit more color so people can understand how that's differentiated、yeah. for Bain? Because we're one of the few firms that can do that. I think Keith. Globally, we have built up our data scientist teams, right? And、uh, in Asia, for private equity, we have four people from the what we did the AEG group that are dedicated to Asia PE practice in the different markets. When we talk about advanced analytics, these are data scientists where. For example, when we do white space analysis, you know, let's say how many coffee shops that you know this, let's say that's a targeted coffee shop company, how many stores they can open in China, instead of the traditional Excel model that we used to do when we were consultants, we have data catchment areas, we have population income data, we have competitors locations. And then the data scientists can actually extrapolate with much higher accuracy. And looking at historical, of course, also historical kind of store performances from the company, and to extrapolate and say how many potential stores that they can open in China and where would they be. And sometimes we also do machine learning when we do kind of large sample segmentation. Where you know you go beyond kind of demographic, you know, kind of characteristics, but looking at what we call need-based kind of segmentation, and those the program would actually look at different aspects of what people wanted for a certain product, and then generates what are the real things that mattered for the different customer segments. And these things we can do within the span of diligence, which is really just three to four weeks. And these things we can never do before if we didn't have these.、Uh, You know, AAG、uh, data scientists with us. 
Yeah, what's been interesting for me as AAG has grown globally for Bain is the way we integrate them in with our teams. It's not that you sort of subcontract it out to a group that's sitting in a different office. They become part of the team. Exactly. It's a really interesting way of learning by working alongside people and not just sort of learning about it in training and hoping the PowerPoint presentation you saw sticks. Kiki, is there work that you think is worth highlighting for people that may still be a little bit hesitant or, or not as excited? I think one of the things you said that was also really interesting was, you know, private equity as a, as a practice area is not sort of just consulting to private equity firms because you're actually doing that work in a bunch of different industries. So you're sort of seeing the entire sort of gamut of industries while working in the ring fence. You're not just sort of doing diligence on financial services companies or whatever it is people think we do in the private yeah. equity group. I think maybe, you know, some of the audience would remember the first, you know, freshman year, like you could be one of the freshman or sophomore that couldn't just pick a major, right? And you wanted to do a little bit of everything. I think if that's the case, I think PEG is your place because you don't have to pick an industry or capability and you will get to see a lot of different things. And you will still have, you kind of, you have delayed that decision, right? That's good, you know, when you want it to be a little bit of the generalist. And the second thing is, I think our PEG practice of being, I mean, we are the market leader. I mean, we're three times the next competitor in this business. We have cumulative knowledge across the different markets. We have amazing teams. I think it would feel uh, very different when you work as the leader in this industry and we have cutting edge IPs. I think, you know, you will see our partners, you know, speak and a lot of clients read our IP, you know, in the PE industry. We are thought partnership for many of them. It should feel like a very good training ground, right? It's an accelerated training ground. And I think Keith, you know, to your point, we wanted to make sure people have what we call balanced diet, right? So you're not going to become just a diligence machine. If you're interested in it, you wanted to spend more time with the practice, you'll get a chance to do everything from, I mean, my favorite is fund strategy. This is where you talk to the top of the funds and work on their strategy. A lot of times it's so exciting about, you know, do they want to go into asset new asset class? You know, do they want to raise a different fund? You know, who could be the potential investors? Where do they get a team? How do they think about all the organization changes? I mean, that's just like any other organization or strategy projects with a CEO, except that your client is, is a fund. And the, the diligence is, of course, our you know, strongest you know, product, and, and that is evolving as well. And the lastly, but not least, I think portfolio projects where you, you really get to deliver and, and hope all that you know, forecast that we did in, in the diligence is going to become true. And you have a chance to work with the company to make that happen. Kiki, in closing, I just thought maybe it would, I'd give you an opportunity to offer people some advice and give them some visibility into the skills they could learn working with our private equity group, which is where you're spending the bulk of your time. Hopefully, people got some insight. Uh, we'll also have a bunch of other leaders from our private equity group, both in EMEA, in the U.S. Uh, we have a couple of our program managers that'll talk a little bit about the learning and onboarding for people interested in PEG that might be a little bit PEG hesitant or a little bit scared. But what advice would you give to people that are, are listening to this and maybe interested or excited about pursuing PEG when they join Bain & Company? I think with the nature of the work that we do, with the people that we have in the practice, you're working in, as I mentioned, one of the strongest practice at Bain, and it will feel like that. You'll have clients who are going to challenge your thinking, which I hope many of you will like that because that pushes us to grow as consultants as well. 
you get diverse exposure and you know you never know maybe you know you're going to fall in love with the practice and stay for a decade just like i did and lastly but not least it is absolutely a sustainable career as well you know especially in this um, post-covid environment uh, or shall we say not post it's still covid environment the paid clients are, are very adaptive. You know, a lot of our work, amazingly, we because of advanced analytics, because the fact that we can do many things now, actually, you know, remotely, this actually became an area that we have seen significant and fast rebound, you know, since um, Q3 last year. I think in all aspects, you know, if you wanted to get that intellectual challenge, you know, get trained in one of the strongest practice areas in, in Bay, then, you know, join us. Awesome. Thank you, Kiki. And I'm, I referenced some of the other resources we'll make available on this podcast. But if you're interested in hearing more about the IP, Hugh MacArthur, Bain's global head of the private equity group, has a podcast called Dry Powder that I highly recommend to those of you that want to learn more about some of the work that we're doing and the insights we're generating. Kiki, thank you so much for an awesome conversation. As I said at the top, you're somebody I've known for a very long time, and I know you're hugely, highly respected inside Bain and by me personally. And it was just really awesome to have you on today to hear a little bit about your story and share with people that are listening. Thank you so much, Keith, for having me. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to Beyond the Bio. If you'd like to share a review or give us input on what you'd like to hear on the podcast, we'd really like to hear from you please email our inbox at beyondthebio at bain.com. We'll see you soon with some new episodes and thanks for listening.